Section three of Hidden Treasures. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lynn Thompson. Hidden Treasures by Harry A. Lewis. Cornelius Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, a synonym for wealth and luxury. Who indeed has not wished that he could have at least a small part of the vast wealth possessed by the Vanderbilts? Yet, when Cornelius Vanderbilt was a boy, he enjoyed far less privileges to make money than the majority who now look on and wish. But Cornelius Vanderbilt differed from other boys of his age. One difference was his strong determination. It was then, much as it is now, boys like to spend their money and have a good time. It was a common saying in the neighbourhood where he lived that when Corneel Vanderbilt concludes to do anything, it will certainly be done. A ship stranded off the shore, young Cornelius's father took the contract to transfer the cargo to New York City. This was a job requiring many teams and a force of men to carry the produce to a different part of the island, where they were to be taken by water to New York. Although but twelve years old, young Vanderbilt was given control of this part of the work his father by accident neglected to furnish him the money with which to pay his ferriage here he was a lad twelve years old with no money in charge of a lot of horses which must be ferried over at a cost of over five dollars he hesitated but a moment walking boldly up to the hotel proprietor he said sir i am here without money by accident if you will kindly advance me the money to pay the ferriage i will leave a horse as your security the proprietor was a perfect stranger to vanderbilt but he was struck with such enterprise the money was advanced and the horse redeemed within forty-eight hours vanderbilt wanted a small boat on the tenth day of may eighteen ten he went to his mother and asked for the money with which to buy it there was a very rough piece of land on the parental farm which had never been ploughed his mother told him that if he would plough drag and plant that field to corn within seventeen days she would buy the boat for him it was a hard job doubtless the mother considered it an impossible one vanderbilt however never seemed to recognize such a word as can't he set about the work at once and hard as it seemed to be the task was accomplished the boat was bought and vanderbilt was a happy boy he had earned it now as vanderbilt did not want his boat for pleasure he at once began business carrying produce from staten island to new york city when the wind was unfavorable he used oars or a pole to aid his sails thus his produce was always on time people said send your stuff by vanderbilt and you can depend on it being in season now vanderbilt had to give all of his earnings during the daytime to his parents so he worked nights but his father also required one half of what he earned nights thus his opportunities were not as great as one might think he worked very hard and at the end of three years it was found that corneel vanderbilt had saved for himself over or about three thousand dollars and the best of all had earned the reputation of being the best boatman on the river while others were smoking and drinking having fun while they were young for when would they if not then vanderbilt was either earning more money working overtime or at least saving what he had earned home asleep recruiting for the next day's labor 
he wished to marry a miss johnson but could not unless his parents would release him from all parental restrictions he was only nineteen yet luckily for the young people the lady was a favorite of the father the desired permission was obtained and henceforth vanderbilt had the exclusive benefit of his labor as he had begun so he continued and at the age of twenty-three he was worth about nine thousand dollars in eighteen seventeen he became captain of the first steamboat that ever run between new york and new brunswick new jersey at a salary of one thousand dollars per year his wife proved to be a helpmeet in the truest sense of the word she at this time keeping hotel at new brunswick and making no small amount herself seven years passed and vanderbilt was made superintendent of the company of which he had been an employee if a man has ability and applies it his talent will not remain hid under a bushel his ability and indomitable energy brought the gibbons line up to paying forty thousand dollars a year seeing a chance for which he was ever on the alert he leased the ferry between new york and elizabeth new jersey for fourteen years put on new boats and it became a very profitable venture in eighteen twenty nine he left the gibbons line and began to operate on the hudson and between new york and boston also on the delaware river he would start an opposition line and either drive off the old line or effect a compromise in eighteen forty nine he obtained from the Nicaraguan government a charter for the steamship company. He next went to England and raised the extra funds needed. He then went personally and inspected the whole route that was used, and by a system of cables fastened to trees, shortened the same about 700 miles over all existing lines. He placed steamers on each ocean and cut the fare from New York to San Francisco one half soon he had destroyed all opposition and then made immense profit afterward he sold out for two millions mr vanderbilt like all successful men made finance a study he foresaw that there were great profits to be realized in the near future in the undeveloped railway systems in the country to see a chance was at once to set about planning to improve it he at once began to withdraw his money from the water and invest in railroads which were then coming rapidly to the front. The wisdom of Vanderbilt can be seen, for at the beginning of the war, which he had been long expecting, his money was all transferred from the water, and thus his interests were not jeopardized by the war made upon our commerce. He, however, had owned so many vessels that he had long since been known as Commodore Vanderbilt. In fact, few people today know him by any other name he at the beginning of hostilities presented the government with a magnificent steamship the vanderbilt worth eight hundred thousand dollars when he entered the railroad business he was estimated at from thirty-five to forty millions he had dealt somewhat in new york and new haven and now began to buy harlem when it was in a most helpless and depressed condition he advanced a large sum to the company when it was in need and for this among other things he was made its president in eighteen sixty three by judicious management and influences common in the street he successfully ran harlem from thirty to two hundred and eighty five such a man was what the new york central railroad desired and after this great bullying movement he became president of that road all that was needed now was the hudson river road and this he bought outright becoming president of the new york central and hudson river railroad 
extending from New York to Buffalo. At one time, there was a bill to be voted on at Albany. The bill was in the interest of Harlem. Mr. Vanderbilt was sure it would pass, but Daniel Drew, his antagonist, who ever fought Harlem or Central as they were against Erie, caused a counter-movement to be made, which defeated the bill. Vanderbilt heard of it, and of course was disappointed, but made no foolish protest with the treacherous friends at the Capitol. In the meantime, these people were selling Harlem short for future delivery, expecting that the stock would take a tumble when it became known that the bill was defeated. As before said, Vanderbilt said nothing, but quietly bought up every scrap of stock there was to be found loose. The fatal day came, but Harlem stood firm. The derelict assemblymen were thunderstruck when they had to buy at a greatly enhanced price, and many of the would-be victors were ruined. In 1873, the Lakeshore and Michigan Southern Railroad was operated in connection with the Vanderbilt system, making a palace car route from New York City to Chicago. From New York to Buffalo, a quadruple track, thence a double track. Among the charities of Mr. Vanderbilt is a gift of three-quarters of a million to the University in Nashville, Tennessee, which bears his name. He died in 1877, worth about 80 millions. End of section 3. Cornelius Vanderbilt.